0: In by Kulosevsky. <laughs>
1: Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardy. Hello, Bardy. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who definitely can't be allowed to take penalties against Bardy hmm. because he simply knows him too well. It's he Nathan knows. A. Clark. Hello, Nathan.
2: He <laughs> knows that I have exactly two penalties that I will use, and that
1: is the Penenka and then the slow roll, because I'm... I mean, I'm ob- more... <laughs> obviously you take the Penenka, obviously. It's the most Nathan thing ever. <laughs> Have you actually even anchored someone before? Uh,
2: no, but I have slow rolled someone where I I staggered the run up and then just gently passed
1: into the the other side. Um, you bastard! Yeah, yeah. You terrible, terrible <laughs> bastard. Um, we have got a, a question for the pod here from someone called um, Bardi who says, "Did it come home?"
0: Just just checking in case in case <laughs> I was out and I and I missed the postman. Did did it come home? It did not. It did not come home. It did not come home. Neither- I, I need to, I, I do need to just say something here. I need to. I need to get this off my chest. It's oh God! Here we go. Remember, we're very raw right now. <laughs> I know. I know. And I I've always respectful, and that's one thing that I've I've always have been because I know I know how much it hurts. So. I understand that feeling and you're my friends and obviously I, I I didn't want don't want to rub it in and I was out with people on Saturday and I didn't rub it in on their faces either as well because I know what it's like I support Tottenham I've seen this stuff <laughs> yeah but I I do think this is probably the first time I've watched England and I've thought that's a, that's a shame because I thought it was it was much better than it's been before you could always point to things are like scared or didn't have the right attitude or whatever happened I really thought England gave it a good old go, a mm. good old whack against France. And in the end, the French were just a bit better in the, in key moments and a bit luckier in the key moments. And there wasn't much separating the two. Perhaps Southgate could have done a bit here or there, but I don't think so. He he didn't switch to the 5-3-2, uh, which I thought he might. So, um, you know, unlucky. It was genuinely, genuinely unlucky. I mean, I'm glad England didn't bring it home, but you were unlucky. You gave it a good go.
1: I agree. I thought we were the better team. thought we deserved to win the match. I felt I've not been too uh, connected to this tournament for, you know, all the reasons that everyone already knows. But, um, you know, because it was Kane, it did hurt a bit more. Um, seeing that happen to him, like if it's a player that deserved to to do something big, he was never won a trophy. It's Harry Kane, isn't it? He, 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 he needs to lift something. He needs to lift a trophy. He needs to do something really important. I feel like that he so deserves it. And I really wanted that to be his moment um and seeing him sky that penalty in such a <laughs> terrible way like so unlike him to hit a penalty that badly it it really hurt uh and I did struggle with it how are you feeling Nathan
2: Yeah I'm not too dissimilar I, I've been pretty distant from from England to be honest I've the world cup has been entertaining and it has captured me as mm. a as a general spectacle I've been watching yeah. the game ever since sort of the end of the group stage it's been very it's been entertaining it's not been great football but it's been it's been good drama and so i've sort of got into the world cup when i wasn't sure that i would um didn't especially get into england until Sort of the second half, when it, like England had a decent chance, maybe of, uh, of of defeating the world champions, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And then you know, obviously, just as I'm, just as I get sort of vaguely interested in England, that's when it all falls apart. And and yeah, I uh, I was gutted for Kane. I really was. I was shocked. I was kind of stunned. Mm. The thing is that like um, he missed very similarly against Frankfurt, but it really mm-hmm. didn't register. Um, and so this felt just completely shocking. That penalty felt completely shocking to me. Yeah.
1: So one of the people that I was watching it with, uh, when Kane grabbed the ball for the second penalty, he said it shouldn't be him taking this one. Mm-hmm. He's already taken one against uh, It's It's a lot to ask him to score two against his club teammate, club captain, who mm-hmm. watches him take penalties over and over again. And I thought... You know, if they ventured away from Kane, a uh, pressure moment like that, and then the the other player missed, yeah. like people would be going crazy about it. But in the cold light of day, there is a little bit of sense in in what my friend was saying, um, and it did sort of feel like he felt like he had to do something different. He, he felt like he had to try something slightly more outrageous and risky.
2: I don't know about that. I think he he changes it up really well historically. He has it's his true. he has his bottom corners, and then he normally has. A secondary option so if he takes a second penalty in a game or against a keeper he's familiar with or whatever uh, or on big moments um like in 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 quarterfinals semifinals um derbies and stuff he tends to have a change up which has been high through the middle or opposite side so I don't, I don't think it's that. I think that he's he's well prepared to have his primary penalty kick and his alternate penalty kicks really well drilled. Um, and he also came out and said that he just he felt the same way. He didn't feel any different mm. between the first two penalties. He felt just as confident as he always does mm. taking a penalty. Which to me suggests that there's there's nothing wrong with the process. That he was the right man. He's one of the best penalty takers in the world, if not the best penalty taker in the world. Mm -hmm. One of the best ever. Mm -hmm. And this time he sent it over. And uh I just think that that can always happen, you know? Yeah. I don't think it needs a big gone.
0: The, the, the truth is, the reason why England didn't go through is because since 1982, every single World Cup final has had a player from Inter Milan and Bayern Munich in, in the, competing for the final. And had France gone out, England don't have any Bayern Munich players. The, the chances of that happen would have been greatly reduced. I don't know if there was actually a Moroccan um, Bayern Munich player. So I need to, I yeah, need there to is, double-check that one. There is. Okay. Um, so it could still have happened.
2: Nusseh Masraoui.
0: So it could still have happened, but it would have been greatly reduced. So England were not just fighting um, fighting the ghost of 66, they were fighting the ghost of inevitability, that you need buying and interplays in every final. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's in the final, Morocco all the way. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd kind of love that. Um, so what do we make of the England performance, Nathan? Anything you you noticed there that you thought was interesting or noteworthy?
2: Yeah, it played pretty well. Um, my friend John reckons that we, they could have built the play better um like direct play from the center backs into attacking areas and the center backs were weren't very adventurous for whatever reason and PSG's frontline pressing was poor because Mbappe's job is just to stand around and wait for counterattacks yeah. Yeah. um maybe I'd have to re-watch I mean I trust John obviously so I'm sure that's true but I felt generally England played well prepared well one of the better performances in in that um round of of international competitions um. yeah it just doesn't it doesn't need like not every time you fail to win the World mm. Cup do you have to completely restructure yeah. your entire academy Um. the coach is good but might move on in which case okay we've got to we've got to work something out there but the talent pool is really really well balanced I was having this conversation yeah. with my friends the other day it's like number of times you can come away from a competition um and it's kind of a thing with germany too right germany also have a really really good coach and an incredible talent pool germany are maybe lacking a number nine and so they're doing this oh we need to completely reconsider the way that we teach football from the ground up and it's like well you could just play some nines in domestic (laughs) football and and some would probably show up like it'll be all right and england it's like what do england lack i think england is strong across the board weakest position in the in the squads right now is center backs but it's not like the center backs played poorly Right, Maguire yeah. and Stones aren't aren't strong for their clubs domestically, but they played well for England. Um, fullback's really good, attacking midfield incredible. Harry Kane's Harry Kane. Okay, we don't have a great depth in forwards. I think that we should have played Rashford more because he offers a threat in behind, and we we didn't mm-hmm. do too much in the way of that in this tournament. I think Sterling's legs are going in 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 that sense. Um, and even even the midfield, which is kind of like a slow and safe and stodgy midfield, Bellingham has been brought through into. I guess what England are lacking and maybe shows in the knockout round is like a a, a regista, right? A, a tempo dictating um, elite playmaker. But like... I thought uh, Rice had such a good tournament. Yeah, and, and Rice is really good. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying that we don't have a Modric, a Verratti, a Pelle yeah. right? But the thing is, it's like... There's only been like 10, 15 of those players mm. ever. Like they're, they're not going to, they're just not going to come around that often. I think that you can say, um, hey, let's make sure that if we have technical, creative central midfielders, let's not try to push them forward to being number 10s all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, but that is Let's not allow a, Harvey Elliott to play as number eight for England. Yeah, things like that. Things like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think where England can improve those, perhaps the over reliance on Sterling and Mount. I know Mount won the won the penalty with a good run, but I still think there's perhaps a change that can be there. And Sterling, I don't think I think this should probably be his last his last international tournament, even though he does okay with England. It's just small changes here and there. France are a well drilled unit, uh, defending right. champions. So they're a good team. And perhaps um well, the thing about the French is they're quite happy to let England have the ball. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it perhaps it, like in the kind of way the Champions League final, Tottenham perhaps seemed to play better than they actually did is because Liverpool allowed us to have the ball. The French, for sure, allowed us to have the ball and just tried to counter us. Uh, us counter you. <laughs> <And> <laughs> slipped. Mm-hmm. Slipped. Slipped. slipped, slipped, slipped. Little, little Freudian moment there, buddy. But I do think. I do think at centre-back, there's a problem. Stones, I don't like Stones. I don't like Maguire. Tomori, I can understand why he didn't go, but I think Tomori's the future and the yeah. chat for Crystal Palace as well. There's, there's something that could be done there. A little change at left-back, sure, and then move on Walker. Move on Walker, move on Sterling, get Tomori playing. And, you know... You'll come close. But if you look at where England have progressed over the last over over the Southgate reign, you move so much further forward than you used yeah. to be. It's a much better team. You go back and look at the, the team that Hodgson took to 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 two Euros, I think, and everything's changed. And it's, the future is good for England. It's a it's a shame it's Harry Kane's fault because everything's coming out now about a bottle job and the rest of it. Yeah. He missed a penalty. Better players in Kane have missed penalties in bigger games yeah. and they will continue to miss miss penalties. Someone Someone said to me today on uh, on Twitter that he lacks the clutch gene, and I think that's just bullshit, because what are you going to say? Maradona lacks the clutch gene? Platini? Badger? I don't think so.
2: Yeah, um, there's that, definitely a narrative going around that Kane doesn't do it in the big games, and I think it's a discussion we've had on this podcast before. Basically, he's in, in the quarters semis and finals that he's played he's either been injured or the team have been terrible and not got the ball forward and i think that explains just about everything i thought he played well against france but i did say penalty you know and that's just gonna (laughs) happen sometimes when you're working on a sample of one game you know um i'm not i'm not concerned about kane in big games i think he's played excellently in the north london derby over and over again in in really important league games when we're chasing for places in in the table um i don't i don't have any any concerns about his his ice basically i think he's fine mm-hmm. mm.
0: what i do think is is a concern i mean i know southgate's clocked up this incredible stat of of beating teams there is a real issue here when england play against the the top level teams that they've lost each time or or not won or lost on penalties there is something in that And I don't know, I don't know if that's Southgate or the players, but eventually England has to beat somebody good if they want to win one of these tournaments. And every time they've played somebody good, they've lost.
1: I think that's a fair criticism, to be honest. But I I do feel that Kane's point uh, that he made post-match, you know, that that they need need to take this experience and use it to sort of help them build the mental strength is an important one that they need to learn from this. And, you know, with or without Southgate, because I... As much as I do really admire what Southgate's done in tournaments, I don't think he's critical to England's success. I'm really optimistic about the next decade for England. We've got such an impressive talent pool. I think it's finally clicked in central midfield with with Bellingham coming through. But even looking beyond that, we've got... I I think Rice and Bellingham is a absolutely fabulous midfield combination. But if you think about the other central midfielders we've got coming through, there's a lot to get excited about there as well. I mentioned Harvey Elliott... But I really like Jacob Ramsey, who plays for Aston Villa. I really like Carney Chakomeka. I think there's some really exciting young midfield talents which will hopefully keep the momentum of this sort of forward trajectory for us because central midfield has been a, a bit stodgy for England for a while and it makes such a difference. We've got so many good attacking midfielders and, and more to come, by the way. You know, there's some, there's some young players that are really exciting. But somehow, sometimes we've struggled to get the ball to them effectively and I think... With players like Bellingham and, and Elliot, there's a lot of potential there to make this team click a little more. Um, and I think you're right to point out the centre-backs, but hopefully there, was a, there are enough good young centre-backs that that won't be a problem for too long. And besides that, I actually thought Maguire and Stones both had decent tournaments, both used the ball really well, both on the whole defended well. Um, and I was really pleased for Maguire, actually, because he's had such a rough time with uh, the abuse he gets at United. I mean, he just needs to move on for the good of his career, but Pleased to see him play well and try and sort of rebuild some of his reputation, which is has taken a hit unfairly in my eyes.
0: Would you take Maguire at Spurs?
1: 100%. Yeah, I think Maguire's a really good player. Would you? Yeah, I think so. I think he'd be really good in, in the Spurs system. Hmm. And I, I, I do wonder whether he could cover which centre-back roles he could cover. Um, because, he, the you know, the main benefit of Harry Maguire is his ball carrying and playing out from the back are really good. So you'd kind of want him in one of the, the wide roles, probably the left, because that's where he plays for... United and seems comfortable, but maybe he could play a job, do a job in the centre as well. wouldn't
2: Wouldn't be my first pick, but there are worse ones out there.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. wouldn't be Wouldn't be first choice, but he's a a more than competent centre back who's just been hung out to dry at united it seems
0: um i just do want to give a shout out to the to the ex subs that joined us on on Lon- uh, London on friday um down in london we watched an incredible game that argentina holland game i mean i've i keep thinking about that free kick in the last minute that the dutch took and i i could just imagine had that been a spurs game and we get pe- uh, a free kick in the last minute and they try to play it short or try and do a routine we would be losing our minds why like Common sense is you shoot, you have a go, it's a free hit, yeah. you go 50-50, probably a bit less than that actually, whether or not it goes in, but them to have the, co- the courage to do it is yeah, incredible, yeah, and yeah. to pull it off, and to be big that big guy who was really upset, really got under messy skin, that was, that was quite incredible, and even though I'm supporting Argentina and I wanted them to do it, I, I couldn't help but cheer that Dutch goal, that was incredible.
1: Yeah, the, the guile, Oof. the audacity, Oof. I loved it, straight out of the Senior Whippy playbook. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see something like that for Spurs at some point. So that's enough England for now, I'd say. Uh, and we can move back, gladly, to talking about Spurs on a weekly basis. Uh, once again, though, we are partnered with Athletic Green. So over to Bardi.
0: So I started taking AG1 because, like Kane, I'm pretty focused on my health and I want to be better. But like Kane, I can slip up. I can make mistakes. But AG1 helps reduce those mistakes. It's Christmas. It's the World Cup and we might not be following our procedures and diets as close as possible. I use AG1 to help me through those high-pressure situations. Long day... A night out, not getting the minerals or vitamins you need, pull up your socks, take a few steps forward, deep breath and smash AG1 into the back of the net. You may not get the exhilaration that a possible last-minute equaliser from the penalty spot can give you, but AG1 won't miss and it won't leave you deflated.
1: Lovely stuff. And it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself and supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's do some transfer chat. We're getting towards that time of year where things are hotting up in terms of the rumours. Some of them are quite exciting, I would say. Uh... To start off with, though, let's talk about managerial transfers. Blankey says, if, God forbid, we lose Conte at the end of the season, would you be happy with Luis Enrique taking over? Do you think it would be more of a project or a quick get-a-trophy kind of management? Hmm. <laughs> Luis Enrique. The,
0: the silence there. I, I quite like Luis Enrique. I really like the Spanish team. I like how they play, and I'm not normally into this tiki-taka nonsense. <laughs> I quite like it. Um, I do enjoy watching them play can't believe they went out but then i guess they don't have a forward but would i be happy i'm I'm not sure i don't know i kind of like as a person i think he's great he's got a real nice side to him he's doing all those twitch the things on twitch he um he seems to be an incredibly nice and kind man who's been through a lot so i i do quite like him to say
1: a little bit more about that what's he what's he been through
0: i think it was his daughter passed away recently and um, he took some time out from that, and he came back. And he just, you know, he he speaks about it quite a lot. He speaks about it very, um, very, very openly. And he yeah. just seems like a lovely guy.
1: Such a difficult thing. They lost a, they lost their nine year old daughter, which is just absolutely yeah. horrific. Uh, I agree. I think he's a a, a really good person. Um, I must admit, I can't remember much about his Barcelona team and and how good they looked. I mean, Barcelona look good regardless, don't they? Nathan, anything you can. <laughs> tell us
2: yeah Barcelona do not look good regardless and they definitely <laughs> went downhill after right <laughs> um, yeah, right not directly right. after because they went you know Valverde and everything but um he's good he's good I, I rate him I don't know if he's necessarily right for Spurs I think he's kind of in between you know mm. long term and and short term type management whereas I think we should commit to more of mm. a project type thing yeah, so. um yeah, I don't know about its history I mean, in terms of developing youth players. I'd have to have to think about that and look into it and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, again, there's, there's definitely... Worst coaches out there, but he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be my pick. Mm.
0: He's in that weird place where he, he's almost too good for international management, but he's not quite there for for club management. It's kind of like Mancini, like a bit like Southgate, I, I, a bit like Southgate. Exactly, these kind of guys that are just just built for for having teams for a short period of time.
1: Well, hopefully, it won't come to the point where we need to do a managerial shortlist, and um, we'll get some news on Conte's contract at some point soon. But it's something to bear in mind for sure. I
2: think that we're talking uh, about
1: that recently i think there was reporting that that he something like he had a
2: good holiday (laughs) and now he's ready yeah and now he's ready to come Mm. back and discuss his contract and yeah after she's been busy for some kind of reason i wonder what that could be Mm. um
1: and now apparently yeah there's going to be contract discussions you just you just reminded me of that Mm. um right other links other links this week we've had some quite exciting links i would say pedro porro not sure how trustworthy the source is but a player i really really like and you know we do need a right thing back
2: yeah poro so poro was someone who i had on my list in the summer and i have on my list now um i've been really high on poro in the past because I think he's outstanding in the final third we played against poro um, earlier in the season and I tweeted hey let's let's bid for this guy you know let's not leave the country without bidding for this guy I think we played Royale in that game or whatever and I was like look at the difference between the two right backs and uh a certain Portuguese friend of mine said hey go back and watch and see if he does anything outside the final third the entire game and I did and I was like oh hmm okay so I still like boro, but i <clears throat> i definitely have some concerns about his 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 risk taking in deeper areas his his tendencies in build up play you can have some question marks over him defensively, but I'm not enormously worried, and he also has just like no presence in the air at all um but he kind of he kind of acts like he's always in the final third. He's he's uh he's the Bruno Fernandez of, of of right backs. He's always trying to like desperately make things happen from from positions where Conte probably won't want him to. Um so he definitely has like the technical ability is whether or not we would be confident that he could be coached into making better decisions in, in build up play. But um I think I'm probably going to take a a, uh, a deeper look at Poro, watch a couple of games, do a video. Nice. Um, I was
1: hoping you were going to say that.
2: Yeah, yeah, hmm. I think so. Um, looking at his 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 work in build up play and um, come to a conclusion on Poro, which I sort of haven't really done yet.
1: I, I really enjoyed seeing him up close when I went to see. Uh, sporting, um, really good technical player. Really, really good technical player, and that is something we have been lacking at right wing back. So. It kind of just got me purring and thinking. Yes, he would be a lovely fit for us. Another right wing back, though, is um, Josip Juranic, who is the Croatian right back who plays for Celtic. Is he? I, I figured that he would be too much of a sort, of more traditional right back for Conte's needs. Bang yeah, on,
2: yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so he been having a good World Cup. People were tweeting me. About him the other day when Croatia were playing, and then I think we've been apparently we've been linked. I didn't actually someone tweeted me saying we've been linked. I didn't check to see who by. I just went with that and put their name on the on the running order. Um mm. but yeah, definitely I think I think you're spot on. I think that he 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 if you combined Poro and Juranovic into like a single player, <laughs> <in the> perfect, <laughs> because he his contribution to build-up plays really good, his carrying of the ball, his crosses from deeper areas really, really strong, mm. defensively good. Um but doesn't have the sort of guile and slipperiness uh, and adventurousness that you want in the final third. So um, yeah, a good a good fullback, definitely a good fullback, mm. um, but probably not a, a Conte
0: wingback. Mm. He reminds me of a lot of Rosalco, I think it is, the other Croatian right-back mm-hmm. that had a standout tournament, but then he's just one of those guys that just works really well in this Croatian system. And then you take him out of it and it just doesn't look good at all. Mm. So I, I would steer clear of this guy.
1: Apparently he has been very good for Celtic as well, so I'm told.
0: He's quite old as well. He...
1: Late 20s, yeah. yeah. still sort of not the age profile that we'd ideally be looking at. Um, and I, I guess you could say the same for the other link, which is Sofian Amrabat, which a player we've been linked with previously and... Um, it was round. That link was roundly mocked by all Spurs fans, including us. I think at the time, uh, we're linked with a lone move for a year. Uh, suddenly, he looks exceptional <laughs> in the World Cup. At least he's he's a Fiorentina player, isn't he? Um, I think Sofian Ramrabat is a good player, but a bit too samey, a bit too similar to what yeah. we've already got at Spurs.
0: I agree. I think his contract's up at the end of the season. I think that's perhaps why there's so much interest right, around him. Right. It.
2: Yeah, the this uh, the bit too samey thing was my initial reaction when we were linked with him before. Um, that he was, you know, an up and down number eight who can dribble and carry the ball um, mm-hmm. and has really good defensive numbers. And like, we already have Hojbjerg, we already have Skip, we've already bring we're bringing in Bentancor in that window. Um, we've got Sar, you know, we don't and now we've got Basuma and as well. Now, now we've got Basuma. It's like how many of these kind of players do we need? And then I like. Took a look at his most recent games at the time if you're in Fiorentina, uh, and even though he wasn't a first eleven player, he was coming on to play the number six role, where he was just being a super press resistant player of the ball and I thought, oh okay, maybe there's something there. Like if he really develops in that area, but like it's quite a gamble based on like four or five games, mainly off the bench. Um, is that really the play he's gonna develop into? And it turns out yes, that is the play he's gonna develop into. He's been <laughs> a really good six. His ball progression from from the deepest role has been really impressive this season for Fiorentina. Um not really what you're seeing with the Morocco team because the Morocco team don't want the ball under really any conditions, right? But um yeah, I, I mean I I've called for Spurs to if we don't back up Kulitowski directly then we should look for a number 6 who can who can progress the ball really creatively. Is Amrabat so good at passing the ball that it makes sense to bring in another central midfielder um but, but the thing is, uh, pausing there for a second, like when I'm talking about, oh, you know, maybe Spurs should consider Locatelli. In order to do that, we would have to move on at least one of our existing central midfielders. Yeah. And and uh, and that's kind of tough, right? You're getting rid of Skip, who's the academy player. You're getting rid of hoybier or Bentancur, who are first seven players. You're getting rid of Basuma, who we brought in in the summer and, is, and has been, you know, slowly improving... Um, Quite substantially, in fact. It's really difficult to, to do anything with central midfield. So, uh, yeah, Amrabat, a better player than I thought he was um, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Still not really a
1: fit, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's been on the Patreon this week. So if, you, if you're if you not aware, if, you, if you've if you not been listening for a while, we, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. We have 1,200 subscribers who enjoy a second podcast that I do with Chris Somersell called Straight Off the Training Ground. Chris is a coach and a recruitment specialist who works in football. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Obviously, a Spurs season ticket holder as well, so you know knows his Spurs, uh, and, that, and that's a regular feature. In fact, it hadn't been for a while because he'd had some uh, technical malfunctions, but we're, we're, we're back in the groove now. Uh, We also have an episode coming out this week, which I've done with our, as I've described in resident sports psychologist, Alex Stoyle, who is just absolutely fascinating about all things sports psychology. There's a really good section on Emerson Royale in that episode, uh, which I think people will really enjoy. I might end up eventually putting that out on the main feed because it's such a good episode. I feel like it deserves to be heard, but the x subs will get it at least for a month in advance. Uh, Nathan's already mentioned that he's going to be doing A Pedro Poro video The Alise and Locatelli video That Nathan did last week was fantastic And there was a Mohamed Simakan video The week before that He signed a new is, is contract
2: good. by the way apparently
1: Ah interesting okay I really like the look of him from your video uh, I was quite taken I mean maybe the new contract's just to protect value Which, is, which does that sometimes very, happen but. Very Leipzig yeah Yeah um and Bardy's been doing this daily advent calendar throughout December, which has been good fun.
0: It's been surprising me. Like I had no idea that Chris Perry was once our record transfer at four point four million pounds. And yeah. he was terrible. And it's just it's just incredible how much how many times we've broken our transfer record for terrible footballers.
1: I don't think he was terrible. I thought he was he was okay.
0: I don't know. We spent 4.5 million on him back in the day and it was a lot of money for someone who was distinctly average.
1: <laughs> distinctly average is fair across his Spurs career. But he, we, we've, yeah. we've certainly signed worse, put it that way.
0: Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like Whenever we break our record, it's always the, the person next to us <laughs> yeah. is just a waste of money. But yeah. it's Soldado or Endombele or who else Who else we've we broken up. Davinson Sanchez, these kind of guys.
1: <laughs> uh, Bardi, I've got a question for you mm. from Eddie says, a proper stats question. What's the most powerful goal scored by a Spurs
0: player? <laughs> Do you know what? I've been thinking about this since I saw that. And um, I've decided I've, I'm not counting any strike which dips before it hits the net. So, like, for example, um, any Kane, none of Kane's goals keep rising. They always drop at the last minute. Same mm. with Sonny. Bales, um, Bale's
1: long ranges would always drop as well.
0: Bale's always drop. So it has to keep on its op- upwards trajectory. Uh, I've, as got as it's I've got one.
1: I've got one. I've got.
0: Where, where, I want to see. Yeah, the, I,
1: I wonder but, it's the same one.
0: So I've gone. I am going to mention Mabizela. Yeah, that's the, the one I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, but, Bulelo. But I've 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 got rid of it because the technique was rubbish. If you look at the technique, <laughs> he was all over the place, and he would hit that another hundred times, and it would only go in maybe twice. So his technique was all over the place. So what I've also flagged is Akoto's goal against Liverpool, but I didn't like it because aesthetically it came through the crowd. So the free kick that. was the, was yeah came off the wall, dropped back to him, and he hit it beautiful. But I didn't like the way it went through the crowd. So I like I like it to have a clear line of sight. So I'm also going to flag Steve Carr's goal against United oh, as yeah. a good one, but it wasn't enough laces for me. So okay. I've decided the best one, the two I I'll go with two is Wanyama. And- yeah, I going to say. Yeah, that was the next That's, one I had in mind. That was never if it like that was still going up when it almost
1: there. ripped the net.
0: And the other one is that this came up last year when I was doing the advent calendar about un, like under, underappreciated Spurs goals and it's Dalmat. And he scores his goal at White Hart Lane against Wolves, where he just kind of swings his hips. So he had big old hips. Swings his hips past two players. And then he whacks that ball so hard and from so close to the net that had there not been a net, someone's dead in that crowd. (laughs) It was was that hard. Uh, People should go find it. down Matt against Wolves. He absolutely levered it. And there's even a sound it makes when he hits it and hits the net. So I'm going to go Wanyama and Dalmat. Nice,
1: nice. Good choices, good choices. Um, people on social media are saying that when the season resumes, we should be playing Richardson through the middle at number nine and Kane behind him at number 10. Now, obviously, obviously, our current system, our 3-4-3, doesn't allow for that. Uh, is it worth changing things up to accommodate Richardson at number
2: nine? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give the most Nathan answer possible to this question which uh is like when when you're describing a number 9 what do you mean by that what do you want from your number 9 mm-hmm. when you're describing number 10 what does that mean what do you want from that? and so like in our current system right Kane plays central and normally the most further forward but he drops towards the play in turns and plays balls over the top and son he plays in off the left mm-hmm. and nominally deeper, but he does a lot of running in behind and he's the player who's most often through on goal in a very nine type way. Yeah. So we already use Kane as a 10. We already use not Richarlison so much, but as the nine. In a different way. Um, and I think that, yeah, Richardson can get some games off Son playing that role in off the left. And that's fine. we don't need to completely restructure our our
1: players. And I think given Son's form, not just for Spurs, but throughout the World Cup as well, I think it's reasonable to to allow for that happening naturally. I think, you know, give him a few games on the bench. What an impact up to bring on uh, and, and let Richardson just have at it while he's in his form. Um I certainly see no reason not to give that a try. I mean I do kind of also like the idea of Richarlison having more games at Kane's expense and Kane's legs having his rest. Definitely. Because I think Richarlison's also capable of, of dropping deep and shielding the ball and receiving defeat. Maybe maybe his passing range isn't the same, but some of the skills he he certainly has. Um and I kind of like that that idea. Did either of you catch the friendly against Motherwell?
2: Uh, no. Yeah, I saw um the f- most of the
1: first half and a bit of the second half. I've only seen the highlights. Unfortunately, if you didn't watch it live, it's not up on Spurs. But oh, I really? Stream the whole game again, yeah. So only the extended highlights. So I've seen the goals and, and a little okay. bit more. Um, Matt Darty, goal scorer now.
2: Yeah, Do- Doherty with a brace. He was pretty quiet outside of his brace, um, in off the left. You know, it's his it's the goal scoring side, right? As a as a yeah. right footer. Uh, so you know, fair play to him. Hill looked outstanding. Um looked the best, which is great because you know he's he's returning, but we're never surprised when Kulutowski's the best player on the pitch, really, even if Kane's about, yeah. Yeah. Um but Hill looked really good. And Spence um Spence looked like just shy of having like a bunch of assists and goals. He looked he look he looked very heavily involved. He looked very promising, very threatening. Things didn't quite come off for him. Um but my goodness is that so much more exciting than than anything yeah, we've yeah, seen at yeah, yeah. Right Back for, yeah. for a long time yeah they the three will those will,
1: will he have been noticed off the back of that performance do you think i he definitely definitely
2: should be noticed off the back of that performance, but you know he should have been noticed on his on his championship form or whatever so uh yeah, was conte there or was he still on holiday uh I didn't see him i I didn't think about that i mean
1: either way he's got to be watching it back right mm. he'd <laughs> hope so, and harvey White played as a, as a false knight,
2: yeah well hmm.
1: You, you, have, uh, you have
2: provoked me. What is a false nine, Windy?
1: <laughs> well, this, is, this it's basically it's used now to describe a player playing out of position at yeah. nine, but actually what it means is they're they're playing through the middle but not doing number nine things. They're doing somewhere between a number ten and a number nine thing. Which, to be fair, is the
2: Harry Kane role, really. And, yeah. and White came on and, and did his best... Harry Kane impression and sort of did an alright job of it to be fair you know for a guy uh, I mean doesn't... this
1: guy ends up playing everywhere He's, I, yeah. he came through at defensive midfield has played left back in the first team in preseason friendlies uh, just because he's left-footed and now he's playing up front
2: (laughs) So hang on, is Harvey White the player I was talking about earlier, the technical creative central midfielder who should have been left in central midfield to dictate play and develop into a a regista and now he's being awkwardly crammed by his Italian manager into a, or maybe not into a centre-forward role
1: (sighs) Maybe yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe yes.
2: Maybe, maybe. I thought I thought he I thought he did pretty well considering it's obviously not his his primary role. Mm. Um, mm. and uh, and Lancashire came off the bench to play up front. Can you tell us a bit more about him because there's been some exciting press about him recently?
1: Yeah, so I've not seen much of him at all. I unfortunately, I'm my interest in the under 18s has had to take a back seat this season, but he has, by all accounts, been exceptional. So we signed him from Sheffield United for a reported although undisclosed, fee of around two and a half million. So, you know, for a 17-year-old, that's a fair bit of money. I don't think he'd... Like, maybe he'd made a handful of appearances for Sheffield United, but he was really an under-18 player. Um, Prior to signing signing for Sheffield United, he played for Arsenal. So another Spurs centre-forward who (laughs) had a youth career at Arsenal... Uh, he joined Sheffield United in their under 16s and then began his scholarship with them. Uh, lots of people are extremely excited about Lancashire, who is sort of seen as a, an old school centre forward. And in the few moments he was on the pitch in this game, he gave a good impression of being an old school centre forward. You know, from the clips I've seen, made the nuisance of himself in the box and tried to get on the end of crosses. He, he's a unit, he is an exceptional goal scorer. I definitely think there's something to be hopeful about there.
0: He, I like him because he just sounds like a Shakespearean character, hmm. William Lankshire. I think he and if he, he's a big bundle in number nine, I think that'd be quite nice.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have another big, strapping goal scorer up front to hmm. come through after Harry Kane? Yeah, we'd take that. Um, any other any other notable performances from the match, Nathan? Um, How did Tanganga do?
2: He was right. He was right. Oh, David Sanchez looked good on the ball. And I tweeted it, and then he stumbled on the ball and gave it away in front of the keeper. After. Brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> um, trying to think if I'm missing someone. There were a lot of subs in the second half, and I sort of mm. like, then had to go out. I can't remember why. Um, didn't pay that much attention prior to that in the second half anyway. Uh, so I'm not sure if maybe I missed a really good performance in the second half, but, um, you know, Spence, Doherty, Hill, good players, <laughs> less than 500 league minutes between them this season.
1: So that is it for this week's Extra Inch, and you'll be glad to know that is the last England chat for a while. I'm sure our American listeners are, are quite fed up with us talking about England, so back to Spurs on the reg. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan a. Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at UK. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the x we love every single last one of you. And of course,
0: come on you Spurs. only from rustolium